0: We're recording. Hello, everybody. This is Brian Coo Show, and I'm your host, Brian Coo. This is episode twelve, I think. We've got quite a few of these now. And right now, it is April 11th, 2018, 9 p.m. And uh, you know, my guest (laughs) today, very very special guy, was was uh, generous and kind enough to uh, grace my apartment at this late hour, despite his fatigue, with all his hard work (laughs) and his exciting life but uh <laughs> Robert, welcome to the show.
1: hey, uh, good to be here. How are you doing, man? Um, I'd say still pretty awkward, but um no we' we're, we're good we're good I'm, oh, we I'm just ready start talking I'm ready um yeah, so yeah, I'm looking forward to uh having this conversation. I think we've had good conversations in the past,
0: yeah, and uh you know we we haven't known each other that long. um I met you at uh I think Matt. We've gone on one date. Yeah. Yeah, we've gone on one date. No, but well, we got gone on one date after we met in a group. Yes. Uh, so I say we're we're not rushing into anything. Exactly. Although I have I, I have ordered a ring. I haven't paid for it yet. Oh, um, you remembered what I told you, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, cool. you know, square cut. Yep. Square cut. Okay. Yep. Yep. Square cut. You know, straight from you know, just drenched in, in African blood. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just, just <laughs> as, blo- as 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 bloody as a blood diamond can be. But the, yeah, no, I I met you at Matt, Suskin, and Ben Sh- Shrek Ben Shrek, yeah Yeah, yeah uh, At their, their uh, cookout about like a month or so ago They recently moved to LA And they've been uh, uh, so nice to host so many of us In a in a, in a fairly frequent uh, Sunday meetings I actually saw uh, on Matt uh, th- 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 this Saturday I went to wasn't Yuri's it his, night Wasn't it Matt's birthday recently? That is also true um, But I <laughs> think I said happy birthday <laughs> to him <laughs> yeah. I'm sure I did If I didn't, I'm sorry, Matt I hope you're listening. Shout-outs. Yeah, shout-out to Matt.
1: How do you know Matt and or Ben? Sure. So, actually, I recently moved to Koreatown, and I was looking, yep, looking for a roommate. And, um, yeah, actually, uh, actually, our mutual friend, Richard Yoon. Oh, Richard! Introduced me to Matt mm-hmm. as, as a, a fellow alum who was moving uh, to L.A. from, I think, the Bay Area at the time. Mm-hmm. So... Um, yeah, you know, he put us in touch, and Matt came and checked out the place. Mm-hmm. We seemed to have good chemistry. He liked the views. He liked mm-hmm. the place. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was about to sign the contract, mm-hmm. and the day of, he hits me up and he's like, "Hey, actually, uh, my old roommate from college is moving to LA, and you know, I I can't say no to like moving in with him, so I'm gonna have to uh, you know not sign this contract." So damn no hard feelings though obviously we're still good friends and uh we still hang out like almost every week now so. <laughs> nice yeah So um. <laughs> no, that's
0: fine <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah no i was i was talking to to rich recently too the dude seems like he's doing
1: pretty well up there in uh, san francisco yeah he just he gives me so many um, life pro tips and by life i mean cryptocurrency interesting <laughs> that's right
0: that's he's uh he's doing the whole crypto thing i actually my last episode uh was with my friend luke Shea. i don't know if i i've
1: met him before actually you met I, Luke. <laughs> He parties a lot, if I if I remember correctly. <laughs> yes, yes. What um, party was this? Um, I think I think I met him at his birthday. So I don't know if he remembers meeting oh, me. Oh, was uh, it like
0: super far down, like near the near the uh, airport?
1: No, I think one time... I think he did one, like, in Little Tokyo once or something. Interesting. I think it was, think it was his birthday. Yeah. Oh, at the, at the uh, club. Blue, Blue Jay. Oh, yeah. my God. We were there. <laughs> okay. We, maybe we talked about this already. <laughs> we, man, I hated it there, man. <laughs> it, was it was very, very packed. It was very packed. Unnecessarily packed. The, I mean, the I, music is good, though. music was good. I ain't Which about I that like. life, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, yeah, life. we... Yeah, we're about the same age, so yeah. Yeah, true, it's true, it's I mean, the, hey man, some dudes <laughs> still party it up. There are dudes like well in their late thirties, early forties, in that party, man. Yeah, I mean, not not looking forward to that. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. If, if I'm forty and that's my life, I'm not I don't know about that. But yeah, hey man, who knows? You know, the,
0: I'm not. I'm not oh, judging.
1: Judgment free zone. Absolutely. Of man. course. Of course. Oh. Yeah, maybe I'll be that guy. Maybe I'll <laughs> be
0: just hitting on like twenty year olds. We be doing a
1: podcast like in ten <laughs> oh years. <my> God. <laughs> Let me tell you about going out in Little Tokyo, guys.
0: Yeah, I was like, hey, what did you do last weekend? I was like, oh, it's a blue jay. Uh, <laughs> and then you were a mama lion? Oh, yeah, man. It was, it was good anyway, but, uh, yeah, no, I had Luke on, and he talked about, you know, his cryptocurrency fund that he's – I guess his ICO fund that he's starting, mm-hmm. and he walked me through. Because, like, I
1: always joke, and I just, like, you know, I always tag him on my – Now that crypto, I think of it, yeah, I met him even before his birthday oh. at some um, – some kind of networking event, and he was—he had another startup he was working on, right? That was like a physical. Hyperion. Uh, was that the one that you can like plug an Android phone into? That's right. It's
0: basically like yeah. uh, it was—it was supposed to mimic the experience of those big tablets that come yeah. in a, uh, Tesla X, but you know, mm-hmm. being able to install that in, in a, uh, just normal cars. Yeah, that was the idea. I think I think that venture uh, uh, closed. Um, yeah, things have changed. Things have changed. Um, he's a serial entrepreneur.
1: Yeah.
0: And uh, but no, he did an amazing job uh, uh, asking all. My, I mean, answering all my cryptocurrency questions. Love it. Um, yeah, it was it was very good. You should listen to him, eh, if you got <laughs> some time. But I mean, I, I, I'm sure everything that he says you already know because you obviously know a lot about cryptocurrency. Well, I just talked to Richard, so. <laughs> <laughs> Man. Again, that's the sentiment that I expressed in my last episode. I was like, man, I feel like I'm, I'm getting left behind in this world. Um, but anyway, we're not here to talk about cryptocurrency. That's right. We're, talk- we're here to talk about Marsha.
1: Yes. Um, this is my ex-wife. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so <laughs> Soon to be ex-wife? <laughs> no. Um, you know, Marsha is actually, uh, I'm calling her an emotionally intelligent AI. Mm-hmm. Um, this is something I started working on, um, gosh, a little less than two years ago. Okay. Um. Yeah and actually you know the point is uh, to actually help people deal with uh stress or distress right. so uh you know just kind of this this wasn't just uh thinking about you know the rising prevalence of anxiety and depression in the US which which is a legitimately uh gigantic problem that looks insurmountable right now but mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, obviously, the the beginning of anything like this is is hugely personal. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, actually, you know, kind of started with you know a combination of, of my loved ones um, that uh, have had to deal with like depression and anxiety and never really received um, treatment for it for numerous reasons. Right. Um, and then my my own like struggle with uh, anxiety that uh, kind of uh, you know got me thinking about uh, the, the current solutions that are available mm-hmm. and kind of mostly the lack of, of good solutions right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I guess like in terms of like my own experience, um, with anxiety, uh, a couple of years ago, I'd say around 2014, uh, I actually had uh, my first panic attack. Um, yeah. And, you know, I think up until that point, uh, you know, thinking about mental health stuff, uh, was, was always kind of a, like a, a arm's length thing, you know, it was, it was like someone else that was affected and you, you you know, when you're not directly affected, uh, it's it's not as clear. You know, truly the dynamics of what goes on. Um, but you know, this made it really clear, kind of the physical. Uh, you know, the 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 tie between like the physical and and the mental. Um, yeah. And you know, I experienced a ton of physical symptoms uh, as a result of anxiety, and that's actually actually key to the definition of anxiety is actually you know physical sensation. Um, so, you know, it's, it's not just, uh, you know, this like mental fear, but right. the result is a physiological, uh, change. Um, and you know, this is usually a, like a change in, uh, your like stress hormone levels. So, you know, this is adrenaline or uh, epinephrine, mm-hmm. norepinephrine and uh, cortisol levels, which, which can be measured in the blood. And there's a distinct difference in someone with anxiety versus not with anxiety. <laughs> mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. <clears throat> but uh, yeah, no, that's, uh, I, uh. I think my first brush with it was uh, in 2010, no 2011. Wow. Again, I don't think I've really experienced this since. Right, right. Um, but the yeah, like I uh, again, maybe it wasn't an anxiety attack mm-hmm. or it wasn't a panic attack, but like yeah, it was like a, from a family. Uh, uh, it, I was I was in a dis- serious argument with my family. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I remember like I couldn't breathe. Like I was like basically yeah. on the uh, crawling on the floor, like I couldn't feel my chest. like I feel it was like blood was being drained yeah. from my uh, from my body. I mean, I felt similar sensation before. For instance, when I'm in danger, yeah. when I'm in those yeah. rare instances where I feel like I'm in physical danger, right. I actually read about this that um, you know people think about when they. People, Talk about getting in fights or watching out what people watch out for. They say, like, uh, people would think that people who's like, was flustered and their face turning red. Right. Like, that would be the, the warning sign. But they was like, no, actually, it's the opposite. Turn pale. Yeah, turn pale. Yeah. Because uh, when your body gets in that kind of mode, blood flows through your limbs to be more physically active. So you're actually, like, uh, face turned pale. Yeah. And I felt a similar thing. I couldn't, like, there were a couple moments, and this moment included, yeah. I couldn't feel my jaw uh, because I was, like, so, wow. like, hyped up. Uh, and I couldn't breathe very well. like, I, And, and uh, because it was family, in those instances, you would think that you would call family. Right. It. But like, I was, it, it was caused because of family. <laughs> and honestly, it's a little laughable at, at, at this point because now I've grown uh, out of it. And like, I mean, it's, it's not laughable. Well, no, I mean, I mean like, I, I don't think same issue or same kind of trouble Got would uh, hit me. I mean, I would like to think that I'm uh, <laughs> harder, better, faster, stronger. <laughs> but uh, no, like, I remember calling a, a good friend of mine to talk it through and he thankfully he was available to talk to me yeah and uh it was really helpful but i, I remember feeling the sensation yeah um and it was completely
1: just uh emotional it wasn't
0: yeah but uh but I, thankfully i haven't uh experienced this
1: since that's yeah that's i, I feel like that once you realize it's a panic attack it, it's harder for it to come back with the same level of strength it seems from my n equals one experience Um, experience. that's about one twentieth the strength of like a real a real study that's done in academics (laughs) Uh. that no no hate no hate um but um yeah no you know i I definitely that was one of the things that really drove home like the the tie between the physical and, and the mental and you know to your point like i also experienced you know dry mouth dry eye um, I felt extremely cold even though I was wearing a sweater right. um, and it was, you know, it has to do with, you know, how you're uh, constricting your blood vessels and whatnot. Um, mm-hmm. But um, yeah, that, that was, that was probably a key moment in, ter- in terms of, you know, getting me to start doing more research on like neuroscience. That was kind of a, a um, bit of a turning point for you. Yeah. I'd say that was a turning point. Um, and, you know, I was still very busy with, uh, you know, the startup I was working at at the time. Mm-hmm. That's probably, you know, one of the triggers <laughs> as well. I <Yeah. laughs> wasn't sure if they were going to make it for a while there. Um, <laughs> And, uh, yeah, no. And so, you know, at that point, you know, I, I started doing a lot of the research. I I started to realize that this was something I was very interested in. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, I have to admit that, you know, sometimes it takes you, you being at risk there to like realize, oh, like I need to do something about this. Right. Right. Um,
0: well, it's good because a lot of people don't and they find solution in drugs, games,
1: hookers and alcohol and blah, blah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, so no yeah, judgment uh, if you do. <laughs> no, I I got it. I I I was uh you know fortunate that you know for me I, my solution finding tends to be try to understand stuff. Um mm-hmm. so I guess just like natural curiosity <laughs> and not trying to <laughs> like uh, no comment. But um, uh no, I just like when I when I don't understand something I like to try to figure out a way to understand it. Um mm-hmm. And then, you know, as I I was doing this, I started compiling the research. I would send myself emails whenever I would find interesting research articles, Mm -hmm. um, knowing that eventually I wanted to tackle this problem, but also knowing that I was very busy with what I was doing at the time um, Mm -hmm. and not really having an idea of like how I would actually tackle the problem. I just wanted to start kind of accumulating information um, or at least have that information available when I was ready. How, just just out of curiosity,
0: for yeah. my sake, how did you start this search? It, was it literally just like it started with a Google search of, like, what are the
1: symptoms of panic attack? Or like, <laughs> yeah. am I dying on Cora? <laughs> like, what, yeah, it start? Um, I'd say this, the search started at mom. So, um, during while I was actually experiencing the panic attack, um, I was in a parking lot, and I called my mom, <laughs> telling her that I thought I was going to die. Mm-hmm. Um, and then i she calmly asked me for what I was experiencing. Mm-hmm. uh I told her about all the physical symptoms I was experiencing. um I literally had the um what's that heart rate monitor app on the phone where you put your finger over the lens with the light. I heart no rate. okay there's there's an app like there's an app for that oh. and um okay, that my heart rate was like over hundred BPM. and I was literally just sitting in my car uh-huh. and I was like, oh my God, it's like almost double my resting heart rate like there's something wrong with me. I'm going to die. Like I literally, that was the first thought that came to my mind. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, I was explaining the symptoms to my mom and she was like, um, these sound like panic attack symptoms. (laughs) And, uh, you know, so it's nice having that third person perspective, but someone that's, you know, third person, but actually cares. And, um, yeah, you know, so she she kind of described panic attack symptoms to me and it sounded exactly the same. Um, she asked me if I had had a lot of caffeine that day, which was true. Mm -hmm. And, um, asked about other things that I may have consumed that day and uh, <laughs> was not true that day. Right. Um, but yeah, and she was just like, yeah, you know, like, you know, she gave me a deep breathing technique, um, that, you know, it, when you first hear about these things when you're young and you've never actually experienced any moment, it's truly that traumatizing to you. You're just like, okay, it's like, whatever, there's no way this can be effective, but it was actually, you know, pretty effective doing that, uh, over a period of minutes. And then, Um, it still took a while though to come down from, from the first time. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, uh, she said, you know, if you, if you still feel weird the next day, go to the doctor. Um, so I went to the doctor, he explained, you know, more of the basis for the physiological symptoms, um, kind Mm -hmm. of the fundamental like fight or flight response, um, and kind of, you know, the way you're, you know, that sympathetic, parasympathetic, sympathetic nervous system response works. You basically only have enough blood to work one of those systems at a time. And, uh, when you when you blow all your <laughs> adrenaline cortisol, uh, it, it makes a big difference to where your blood flow goes. Right. Um, yeah. So, you know, I think that that was kind of the starting point was, you know, time to my mom, then tying to my doctor and my primary care physician. Mm-hmm. And then I started doing more research on my own. Um, you know, fortunately, there's a lot of articles available on like NCBI. Um, reading, what does NCBs stand for? Uh, I, I don't national National Center for Brain something, yeah. <laughs> uh, or intelligence national. Yeah, I don't know. We'll yeah, we'll right, find out. Right. Um, and then uh, what else? Um, yeah, and like reading neuroscience news, um, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Compiling as much knowledge and information as I could. I started buying uh, a lot of books um, around anxiety mm-hmm. and depression. Depression. Um, also, because you know, I had people close to me that were experiencing it, and mm-hmm. um, you know they were not receiving any treatment. So right, and um, there are genetic elements to these too. Yeah, so. yeah, there definitely are. You can definitely have a, you know, predisposition uh, to to anxiety or depression. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so I started kind of doing more research um, on my own and compiling it, knowing that this seemed like an, uh, a problem that I was personally interested in solving. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for myself and people close to me. And then you know, being in tech, you always think at Silicon Valley scale, which means like, you know, if you can't affect like a hundred million people, it's just not even worth pursuing, which uh, I, I mean, I, that's a bit of an exaggeration, but that's, that's literally like how you're taught to think. Um, right. So, you know, I start thinking about, you know, okay, I'm in tech. I'm in position to potentially do something about this. Right. Um, and, you know, that was always in the back of my mind. And then um, around uh, late, mid to late 2016. So that's two years later. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, Facebook announced that they were opening up their, uh, messenger API, mm-hmm. um, which they might be, you know, closing. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. <laughs> I'm um, There's no, no way they're um, that, you know? yeah, no. So the, uh, uh, you know, which meant that you could actually you know, start creating like automated, uh, responders, responders right. yeah, on Facebook. And I was like, okay, well, um, this might be an interesting vector for me to try to, you know, start helping out with, uh, this, this issue of this kind of underserved, um, you know, um, you know, you know, stress management community uh, of you know community community of like you know basically like eighty million people probably in the U.S. I mean, so, for <laughs> so, practical terms, yeah. it's really everybody. Yeah, yeah. All population. Mm-hmm. It doesn't discriminate. It does not. Um, yeah. So you know, I uh, the other the other constraint for me was I'm you know I am not like a UI designer myself. I so background is. You know, yeah, yeah. Let's <laughs> just so, step back and yeah. see. You've been working in tech a little bit. Also, yeah. I
0: wanted to. I want to take a moment after I, I, the episodes. I'm going to take a little, ideally, in an ideal yeah. world, I, I'll i be doing this as a candid shot or something, but uh, I'm not skilled like that. Okay, okay. But, the, I mean, you dress so well. I mean, again, <laughs> you know, not all my guests that, are that t-shirt, though, that
1: t-shirt, though. That t-shirt, though. Yeah, but but I don't have that voice, that Brian Koo voice. Oh, you can't <laughs> see voice on the picture. I, th- I, I
0: think I got some good ones. <laughs> All right, uh, right, I'll put some Instagram filter on it. Okay, yeah, uh, yeah. You might get a get a call from an agent after yeah, this episode airs. Lo-fi. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> sorry. You were before I, I distracted you I and com- interrupted
1: you like a rude host I am. You were talking about your your background. Yeah, sure, sure. I guess backtracking a little bit. Um, yeah, I've been working in tech for a while. Um, Oh gosh, how far back should we go? Oh, well, Let's just, say, just say,
0: say, you're, you're you're a product manager. Yeah, so
1: I've been doing product management, and I guess for those of you who um, aren't familiar with tech, um, product managers uh, in software are typically uh, the people that are kind of combining, you know, user experience research with kind of business strategy, uh, design, and engineering, and you know, and marketing. So you're kind of interfacing between all those. Aspects of, of building software and uh, kind of trying to determine you know, what we should build and why when it comes to a, a product. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's currently what I do. Um, you is know, that is
0: what it, you always did in the tech area or what you did in um, other roles?
1: Yeah, so actually, uh, well, straight out of undergrad, the first thing I did was venture capital. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's uh, so in- investing in startups. So oh, like I did okay. I was not an investor myself, but I was an analyst for uh, potential venture investments. So it oh, yeah, was a lot of hard work, man. Um, yeah, no, it, it, not that hard per dollar earned. I will say, it's, like, <laughs> it, it is honestly probably the uh, best you know dollar per stress level job I've had in my oh, life. Really? Okay. Um, but at the same time, uh, you know, doing that straight out of undergrad uh, is is not. I'm not gonna say it's a dead end career path, uh, but it's not. It's clear like how you would be valuable as like you know a, a principal investor or a partner in a firm when like your entire experience is is pure finance. Um, just because you know usually at, at that level, uh, like when you're you know taking BC at startups. Um, you want a value-added investor that kind of has been in your position before that will understand things, not just at the pure finance level. Right. Um, So that was part of my logic of of leaving that industry, even though the pay was uh, really good per stress level. Right. Um, And, and yeah, I actually, you know, to figure out that transition, you know, the more I was exposed to, um, you know, these entrepreneurs that were at the level where they're, you know, they're getting attention from institutional venture investors. They're, you know, a, they must be super enthusiastic and optimistic, <laughs> which is always infectious, and and, and 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 B, they must be pretty intelligent to get to that point where people want to throw a couple million dollars at them, right? Do they have to be? There? <laughs> I mean, this was this was before uh, the current times. Um, I see. So, you know, it was it was infectious, and I I knew that I ultimately wanted to do something um, like start my own company, mm-hmm. uh, and at the same time, I knew that uh, there wasn't. At that point, there wasn't anything that I was passionate. I felt passionate enough about where my, my heuristic was basically like, would I, uh, you know, even if this did not work work out financially, would I be happy that I had worked on it? Mm-hmm. At that point, there was no area of interest that I had that I was like, yeah, I would I would totally do this even with no like you know financial return. Right. Um, yeah. So you know, I at least. Had that recognition um that's good and uh, and you know it was just like, okay well uh you know what can I do given that I don't have an immediate idea that I care about enough to start <laughs> a company around and yeah, I talked to people that had made similar transitions from like finance or venture capital into you know actual startups um, told them about my my background and you know skill set my aspirations, and a lot you know a lot of them the consensus was kind of product management would be an uh, an interesting place to go. Mm-hmm. Um, Good way to prepare for you know building your own company, right? Uh, you know, and I think you know one of the main things that they actually cited was um, having to learn to um, like lead without that direct authority. So, uh, wow. you know, I, I think one of the, the interesting things about product management or like interesting skills that you learn is, you know, usually as a product manager, uh, you know, it's it's not like the engineers or the designers report to you. You're not like they're hiring. You're not their hiring manager or boss. You don't have that moral authority to be like, you have to do what I tell you to do. Right. You have to. You have to. You know, be able to persuade the team that this is worth working on. I mean, obviously, if you just if they are not probably not just going to say no to everything that you propose, but right. um, you, you you have to be able to persuade people um, and, and lead without without threatening, right? Um, and I th- I think that's like a really interesting skill to learn and probably useful if you're like building a company i would right. guess um yeah so uh, yeah i made that transition um gosh wow it's been a while now about, <laughs> about like about seven years ago so uh, you're you're a seasoned veteran uh, in Product guess, management now, i guess so mm-hmm. but
0: anyway so you were talking about your background because you're you're mentioning how when you were uh, thinking about this idea you don't have yep. a direct ui or ux experience well i, I
1: have a UX experience, yeah, but uh, in terms of, like UI design, where like I'm doing stuff in you know, you know Photoshop or like visually designing something, mm-hmm, I was like, okay, mm-hmm. yeah, like uh, if it's if it's there, I can tell you if it looks nice or not. But I'm right. not going to be the one that's like actually yeah, designing from the ground up. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, so the the good thing is that like given that constraint, um, the Facebook Messenger API opening up. Uh, Seemed like an interesting opportunity because not a lot of UI. So right, Therefore, um, yeah, yeah, just kind of realizing my strengths and weaknesses, mm-hmm. and uh, sounds, sounds, yeah, sounds yeah. So I started to like experiment with that, um, you know, see what I could build. Just kind of messing around there, um, and have you know been working on like I'd say at this point it's still very proof of concept. It's it's not you know incredibly fully featured at this point, mm-hmm. um, but I you know part of doing that was to prove the point that this is something that I really. Uh, do care about a problem that I do care about solving and um you know I'm not gonna wait to like you know to to find someone I I, you know there's this whole stereotype of the that business person that just they have an idea and they (laughs) just need the engineer right right uh so I wanted to, to at least prove I'm not just a bullshitter like I will actually you know try to roll my sleeves up and, and actually try to get something done
0: yeah and you know I've, I've seen you know you've shown me um and obviously it's up there um mm-hmm. and i've interacted with it a few times like yeah. you know you yeah you you've done a lot of a uh, lot more of uh, work than i'm sure most people are willing to put on the stage
1: and you yeah, know you worked on the tech yeah. sector for yesterday i guess say like seven plus years yeah yeah i mean you know um definitely uh hopefully you know it's it's something that's that's not laughable it's it's not amazing at this point but it's not laughable um and and i think it, it expresses the point of of you know what i'm trying to do mm-hmm. um I'll, I'll be the first to admit that um you know i don't know if you know text chat is the the panacea for solving you know uh, you know stress or like distress crisis right mm-hmm. um but it, it's something that i can i can at least prove that uh I'm working on it. Um, I'm, I'm gathering data. People are interacting with it, um, mm-hmm. learning from those interactions, and then uh, you know the path that ultimately goes down in the long run. You know, maybe maybe very different. Uh, you know, if you think about a lot of startups, um, you know, you know, they, they started with uh, a, a a fundamental concept that they did stay to, but the the format of the product changed quite a bit. Like you know? hot dog or not hot dog? <laughs> yeah, hot dog, not hot dog. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, like you know, like. Uh, you know, even like Uber, Facebook, you know, Uber started as, it was really, you know, like a black car service, it was professional, um, and it has actually become, you know, much more like a crowdsourced service, um, right. and, you know, ultimately is probably going to become an AI-driven service, right, Yeah. Uh, in the long run, um, you know, and, and same with, like, you know, Facebook essentially started as, like, hot or not. Right. <laughs> it, it essentially not. was hot or not for Harvard, yeah. and, uh, and it became, you know, the way to keep people connected in the world, uh, regardless of what you think of the current crisis, <gasps> a, a supposed Fair. crisis. Um, yep, yep. So, um, you know, I, I so I, I'm aware that like, you know, this, uh, is it, you know, 10 years from now, is it going to be a chatbot still? I, who knows? But it's no, um, the first step. It's the first step. It's the first
0: step. Because like, again, yeah, yeah. what you built here, the Marsha is uh, yep. spelled M-A-R-C-H-A. Uh, S-H-A. 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 Yeah, oh, a- right. yeah. yeah, yeah. God, sorry, man. English is not my first language. Um, but you develop Marsha, which is yeah. a, a Facebook messenger uh, a system. Yeah. And, and the purpose of this is that so, you know, a guy like me or a guy like you, anybody yeah. can interact with Marsha. You yep. can, like, message it whenever you're feeling stressed or depressed. Yep. And, you know, Marsha responds to you, hopefully, in, in ways that, that help you with your current condition and hopefully long term. So w- yep. how would you say, like, so it's like a, it's like a
1: Facebook messenger, like, therapist or um, friend? Uh, I, I'd say it's it's I'd say it's kind of uh it's it's definitely she's all right. See, fundamentally the format is you know you hit her up, she'll try to understand your mood your you know emotional affect and and give you an exercise that should help with uh, the situation that you're in mm-hmm. um, and and right now I have you know seventy plus kind of like neuroscience or you know research based evidence based methods um that you know we've compiled into these like small. Uh, Micro interventions, and I will give full credit to my friend Amr Singh for coming up with that term. Mm -hmm. Um, Micro uh, micro interventions. uh, Yeah, I think take credit for it. No, no, it's definitely not. No, he he definitely deserves full credit for coming up with that name. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, so it gives you these like bite-sized interventions that you can uh, you know you can try out and and then you know see how your mood changes Mm -hmm. when you try those out. And Mm -hmm. um, I'd say like the fundamental hypothesis is that. Um, you know, you don't need like a gigantic breakthrough to, you know, fundamentally change, uh, your mood overall. Like the, right. the analogy that I, uh, I, I saw in a book, I think, um, that I thought was really interesting was kind of, uh, you know, comparing it to like a, a, an election where, you know, for mm-hmm. example, like you know, Donald Trump didn't need to win every state to become president of the United States and like right. run, potentially change the course of history <laughs> know, in an unknown way. But, um, you know, like same with the brain. Like your neurons are essentially like voting for like what what your reaction is gonna your your first reaction to something is gonna be, um, and uh, you know you can change like one or two swing states or you know a couple of, of neuron kind of activations, mm-hmm. and it, and it will change the course of how you think. Um, so you know that that's kind of the hypothesis behind the micro interventions. I th- I think the other thing is that, um, you know, like a lot of what has been done so far, the current interventions, um, and no hate on them because they, they're effective for a lot of people um, but you know it's like hour long intervention like therapy is billed at usually 40 minutes to an hour rate Right. and obscenely expensive this obscenely is like one of the issues um, you know I'm sure I've personally you know done therapy to help with my own anxiety issues and um it's well, one of the things i realized was like if you're not making a shitload of money um it's uh unaffordable it's, <laughs> it's not blatantly. covered by insurance yeah for for most uh, i think 57% uh, of psychologists and psychiatrists do not accept insurance so yeah. it's uh extremely expensive and for obviously most the good ones won't because they can yeah, charge more exactly right and it's you know 100 to 200 dollars an hour is median and, and you know depending on the state Yeah. Um, and so it's extremely expensive um and you know it's built an hourly rate but you know, you know people you know don't necessarily have that much time you know especially if you have like a job you have a full-time job right and like Um, what are you gonna
0: tell your boss yeah
1: every tuesday yeah Yeah, i want to be in at 11 a.m to uh yeah to do therapy right yeah Yeah. it it, there is therapy yeah
0: well, what therapy are you getting
1: (laughs) yeah it's it's stigmatized still to this day and I, i think it's it's become a little bit more acceptable in the mainstream to admit that you're you know struggling with something like anxiety or depression um But you know that—that's I think that's one of the things is that the interventions are not just expensive and inconvenient, but um, I think you know it's still intimidating for a lot of people. Like a lot of people perceive it as you know the clinical intervention. or like, you know, I have to go and like talk about my childhood and how terrible my upbringing was and stuff. And I I, I thought of (laughs) a lot of the, uh, you know, the kind of newest methods are focused on kind of giving you something to help you in the moment, um, and going forward. Um, Mm -hmm. not saying that you don't want to reflect on your past or anything, but, um, (laughs) but you know, like there, there's stuff that can help you right now without like adding trauma right now. Um, and, uh, and, and also I think, uh, you know, that's, that's one aspect of, of treatment. I think also it's poorly measured. Um, right. you know, you're, if you're seeing your, your therapist like once a week or once every two weeks, they're seeing a very small snapshot of your life. Right. Um, and, and, you know, there's a lot that comes with that. Cause you know, uh, I remember like when I would do therapy, for example, um, if I wasn't actually feeling anxious that day, it was really hard to like fill an hour. Yeah. Right. You know, I would try to take notes on like occasions where I felt anxious and stuff, you know, mm-hmm. like, and, uh, and it's, but it's not the same when you're not in the moment. Right. And, right. and, uh, and you know, like that's, that's something that it, it's almost impossible for a doctor to do uh, because they're just going to be, you know, they're going to see you, you know, once a week, they can't be available 24 seven. So you're one of their 30 yeah, patients yeah. a week. Yeah. So, you know, they're missing a lot of the context. Um, and you know, like a lot of the kind of measures of mood as well are, are like very subjective, um, and, and not measure that often so and it's um, not measured it's just conversation <laughs> yeah like, are they are they studying stats like <laughs> yeah i mean so, you know some some do measure stuff but uh yeah it's it's uh, there's a high variance with uh, the quality of therapists, i would say right and um which is also hard to measure yes uh you know the outcomes per therapist are not really measured uh, that closely i would say mm-hmm. um so you know there, i think there are a lot of uh put, you know you know potential uh places low hanging fruit that you could improve in in kind of the way that uh you know dealing with anxiety stress depression stuff like that um is done i think that you know tech has given us an opportunity to enhance kind of like the context um you know having being available 24/7 um you know actually being to like being able to like check in with you know millions of people mm-hmm. you know without forgetting the context of their lives you know that's something that um you know it is a very hard problem to do as a person you know it's very hard to maintain you i think the number was like 150 relationships right the 150 close relationships there's is, a term like, for that right a number, somebody something number yeah but i think there's a different level to it. i think you
0: can only yeah. be close to like five you can yeah. only keep track of like 30 or 40
1: yeah and this t- ties directly into the size of companies and stuff and like you know yeah all yeah like, yeah that's why you see scaling difficulties and um you know I think there's an opportunity to, to do something that can like, kind of help us with those constraints um, mm-hmm. and yeah there, there just are are not enough doctors f- even, even if we did want to use doctors f- right. you know, for this um, there aren't enough for the amount of people that are affected um, at this point um, mm-hmm. you know, if you look at like the millennial generation I think the most recent stats are 21% uh, diagnosed with depression <sighs> um, and like 16 or 17% diagnosed with anxiety and that's diagnosed right that's like they went to the doctor and talked about it right and they were diagnosed um, Should probably double <laughs> yeah reality yeah least. yeah so I mean yeah it, 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 it's, it's basically like 50% of millennials will be affected which is millennial generations about 80 million people so that's 40 million in one generation and that's uh, just in America <laughs> In America and and the prevalence is even worse among the younger generation so this is a problem that has, <sighs> has gotten worse unfortunately um, so I think that you know it's probably worth trying to do something about it um, in a way that's scalable. Um, and, you know, yeah, so I hope I, I, hope I can contribute to that.
0: Mm-hmm. No, I mean, it's, uh, it's absolutely, I mean, we've, we talked about this, obviously, through chats and stuff. But mm-hmm. obviously, you know, we, we, we had dinner and we talked about this in length. I absolutely agree with you. Um, if again, the world doesn't necessarily work like that. Like right. capitalism doesn't work in a way that's like, oh, like the most important, like socially, like important. It doesn't work like that. Yeah. It's like if you're working on like an erectile dysfunction pill that works <laughs> better, that you will make VC, you'll get thirty times as much funding, right? <laughs> True that. But you know, as a society, you know, we don't have foresight like that. But some people yeah. do. And, and if this issue, again, it's not even just like a far-sided thing. It's just something that's affecting a lot of us and and we're all paying the cost in in a way that's not measurable but you know we all notice that we feel it yeah personally both personally and like if you're in a company or a group or a family like yeah we all have some friends you know i have some couple of friends who are like they've had some serious issues and like they're 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 at a point where it's like really hard for them to function and like i don't know i I can't help them because i have my own life i'm dealing with my own shit and honestly you know we talked about this more because i myself had a had a of i don't know what i had like yeah. i think it was anxiety yeah. i don't think it was depression um i don't know what hard, you would, yeah hard to say hard to say yeah yeah um but the you know so i i had myself had, had a pretty uh difficult time this year and finally i found i'm coming out of it nice i uh, i i saw for a lot of solutions um but it's hard and and i don't know if i'm going to be so lucky next time yeah uh whatever that is and i i think so like i, I think your your approach of dealing with this you know this Paramount, uh, inc- well, not paramount, like such big problem that's so prevalent. I think it's, I think it's good it's your, as it's your, your, it's your kind of tech slash uh, startup mentality putting yeah. in the right use.
1: Yeah, yeah, and you know, I think as much as like I said, like a lot of the methods that, that Marsha is starting with are you know, based on like legit neuroscience research. Um, I have like a clinical advisory team out of Harvard Med that is, you know, one Paula Padrelli, runs the depression. Uh, Depression clinic at Mass General Hospital. Uh, another one is at McLean Hospital, which is like number one psychiatric hospital in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm, get, I'm getting good advice on you know what what is the kind of current state of the art um, in terms of the field. Help you know what the best physicians are using for treating this kind of stuff, and then kind of trying to uh, you know like branch outwards into uh, you know how do you make these methods you know tractable in a shorter time period um, and actually measure the results um, you know. Um, in a very specific way because um, you know at the same time I, I do think that if you look at uh, you know, a lot of the meta studies that have been done on the research um, and there's you know I think it was literally like in the past two or three years um, there's one where um, they tried to produce a lot of you know fundamental goal, fundamental uh, psychology uh, research results and it was it was uh, more than half of them were were not possible to reproduce, uh, you know, across uh, a lot of <laughs> studies. Um, nice. You know, this is I think this is a, fu- a fundamental problem in academia right now. Um, Regarding. Uh, the reproducibility of studies. The, the like ends a, are very low for, for are, are a lot we talking of about research. specific topics? Like are um, we talking anxiety and depression specifically? What? Um yeah, anxiety and depression, uh definitely specifically um in terms of or, or also just like generally like psychology research. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's very hard to reproduce the results of a lot of the studies. Interesting. And um and that's not to say that, you know, there isn't some information in these studies or in the results, um and obviously trying to leverage uh, what I can, but I think ultimately, uh, if we have a platform that will let us measure it at a larger scale than, like, you know, n equals twenty, n equals fifty, n equals one hundred, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think I think we could uh, you know, find something that's that's useful for a lot of people, uh, and also kind of, um, you know, maybe not trying to extrapolate the results to everyone, right, and and being like, well, actually, this seems to work for this person doing something that's very personalized, and that's kind of what the doctor is trying to do, right? They're trying to find a method that works for their patient right um and uh yeah you know like trying to to personalize it as well so um yeah i think i think there's an opportunity there as well um
0: yeah yeah kind of yeah because we're, we're touching on i guess uh, several different elements uh, of what, what this can be and yep. and obviously uh you smartly focus on some of the lower hanging fruits, yep. because you know this is a proof of concept yep. that you're doing. And there's got to be again, okay, we talked about this in length about there got to be some of the simpler things yep. that people can do. Just reminding yourself, like how many times did I have uh, uh, of did I feel anxious this week, or like you know, mm-hmm. or, or you know, you've had I've seen some Marsha giving me some yeah. advice so like yeah. how many times have you done that? Was it effective? Yeah, and these are all data. Yep, and and uh, I feel like there's ways that you could first identify what kind of person what kind of issues you're suffering yep um and hopefully find like low-hanging fruits that, that that you can help like for instance we talked yeah. uh, a, a bit about jordan peterson yeah. who definitely helped me uh, uh, this year in dealing with some of my issues mm-hmm. um i remember one of his videos i watched so many of his videos uh but the one of them was like he had like a just like simple oh. advice that he said universally works for a lot of people yeah uh if you have like a uh, I forget it was anxiety. I think it was anxiety because yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't depressed. Um, uh-huh. Was that eat a huge breakfast mm-hmm. in the morning because apparently that increases serotonin level. Yeah, uh, and then he said like sleep regularly because that manages your serotonin level better as well. Yep. Uh, exercise, but prefer to like weightlifting because uh-huh. apparently that also increases your like uh, uh, manage your mood better. And I forget the fourth one. Like, oh, yeah. like plan your life or something.
1: Plan your week, like your routine and stuff. Yeah. Oh, this, this is a topic that I love actually talking about. Um, so Jordan Peterson. Well, uh, <laughs> that's one of, <laughs> but also kind of some of the re- the uh, results you were you were citing. Um, yeah. For example, and this is weird. Like I'm, I'm, you know, obviously there's it's a very multifactorial problem. Mm-hmm. Um, it's probably not the the vector by which people you know become anxious or become depressed is is, obviously probably not the same uh per person right and yeah but again people are not that different right right yeah i mean there's some fundamental mechanics uh but yeah to your point on serotonin right there there's a hypothesis around serotonin being related to uh yeah like you know depression and and anxiety and um and the thing about eating breakfast so this is something that's interesting because you know i've tried to try just like notice what are the correlates um you know that you notice you know our generation, increasing prevalence of anxiety, and depression, mm. and what are some of the things that I also see as themes within our generation? Obviously, social media is one of them, right. um, which just seems to contribute to you know, constant comparison to other people. Right. Um, but you know, also, this is an interesting one that like, I don't know if people have thought about that much yet. Uh, but it's like low carb diets, right? Because yeah, yeah, no, 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 because like um, so. One of the things about you know, for example, uh, you know, the serotonin level thing that you're talking about. Um, you know, there are certain. Uh, Foods that enhance serotonin, right? And you know, the, the the thing that people often cite is uh, tryptophan, right? So, okay. a, in turkey, you know, they're like, oh, when you eat turkey, it has a lot of tryptophan. Okay. Um, and then you know, you feel better afterwards. But actually, like, um, so w- what they've noticed, uh, you know, from research of like actually having people, you know, eat eat tryptophan or like, uh-huh. uh, you know, eat uh, foods that contain that, is that right. uh, the protein to carb ratio matters a lot. Um, and this is because for serotonin level. Um, well for, so tryptophan is like a precursor to serotonin that your okay. body, um, and you know, often people supplement, uh, with like five HTP, um, oh, to, that's to that's en- enhance their serotonin levels. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, don't just do that without like consulting a doctor, especially if you're on an SSRI or MAOI or whatever. Um, but, um, you know, one of the things about that is that, um, uh, yeah. So when, when you, uh, when you in- ingest tryptophan, um, when you, when you eat it with a lot of protein, those mm-hmm. other proteins, uh, compete with the tryptophan to penetrate the blood brain barrier. And it's, it's way less bioavailable when you eat it with a lot of protein. Um, so actually you're supposed to eat it with carbs. Um, yeah. So, uh, and, and, and this is, a uh, I I just thought it was an interesting, you know, correlate because like, you know, so many people are into super low carb diets and I'm also very anti-carb having like diabetes running in my family and stuff. But, you know, when I started seeing the results of like a lot of this research, I was like, holy shit, uh, this is like an interesting thing that like, I don't know if many people are thinking about that. Cause like we try to be so low carb and like when we're getting like these serotonin precursors like in our food, uh, you know, it, they're, they may not be that effective. Right. So, um, yeah, just something to consider. Like if, if you're going to do something, uh, you're eating like a, a, a serotonin, uh, well, a tryptophan heavy food, uh, five HTP. Um, Actually, consider having it with carbs and like low, like low uh, low amount of protein uh, in that. So you know, like say like twenty twenty five grams of carbs and like maybe like four grams of protein max, um, so that they they don't compete at the blood brain barrier.
0: So I just admitted, or I just said, I've said it many times this episode. As I mean, because it was happening as throughout the show that I was having a tough time earlier this year. Uh-huh. I'm sure it's not the only factor, but. Right. Around that time or before that time, one thing that I was trying, there are two things I think that was really stressing me out. Mm -hmm. One thing was I was trying to do too much. I was like doing this and doing uh, writing a blog, which actually took so much longer because I wanted to do a good job. So I was overwhelming myself. But the other thing was that I realized my diet and my routine was plateauing. Mm -hmm. So especially with so much uh, Joe Rogan experience and things (laughs) I was listening to, I tried to adopt the keto diet. Oh which that's is hard yeah. low extremely, carb, low, carb, extremely yes. low carb high fat yep. but I didn't really follow the high fat so much as mm. like I just had a lot of uh, Atkins like high protein uh, like protein carb. shakes yeah. so yeah. I wonder if my mood and uh and uh my yeah maybe I was suffering from low serotonin due to uh
1: my yeah, keto not as diet that is available yeah yeah. Uh, uh, n- not the serotonin, but the tryptophan, tryptophan that you get from food. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Which is the precursor. Yeah. So, um, yeah. But, but please to talk to, to me just a
0: little more for our, for our audience yeah. the relationship between tryptophan, serotonin, and what foods have lots of tryptophan.
1: Um, Sure. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So tryptophan is a precursor to serotonin that you know, your body will will take um, when it's available and and turn into serotonin. Actually, like you let's want take to sit back. Yeah. Why
0: we need serotonin? We've been talking
1: serotonin about serotonin a lot. I knew that it's like what makes you happy. Sure. Yeah. It's it's been but what implicated. What is um, so It's a it's a neurotransmitter, um, mm-hmm. and it has been you know, implicated in kind of in happiness. So right. happiness, motivation. Um, you know, it's present in a lot of areas in the prefrontal cortex, which mm-hmm. is kind of the part of the newest area of the brain where you do your like high level thinking planning. Um, stuff like that. So, you know, this is why when we believe that you have low serotonin levels, um, you know, you start to become like more impulsive, you get sad, um, stuff like that. Um, and we believe it has to do, uh, you know, to some extent with, uh, low serotonin levels. Uh-huh. Um, and, um, yeah. So, so the other thing is that, uh, it's, uh, hold on one sec. We're
0: talking about serotonin. Yes, and I was asking about what serotonin does. You said it's a neurotransmitter.
1: Yeah, and definitely.
0: I was initially asking about what's the relationship. You said tryptophan serotonin is needed to make to
1: serotonin. Yeah, um, serotonin is something I guess is, is, is in your body. You ne- do you need serotonin? I mean, it is fundamental, like neurotransmitter uh, in the brain. Does that um, mean that if we need it? Yes, um, like you know, there's probably a lot that would not happen in your brain uh, in terms of like synapses firing. Uh, so for uh, yeah, so you need it for for healthy yeah. brain function. You need serotonin, uh, yeah, and tryptophan is the kind of the, uh,
0: building blocks of serotonin. Yeah, exactly. And, and so, but so for peop- most people, on normal diets, you yep. get enough tryptophan to make, make serotonin.
1: Yeah, uh, most most people on, on with a, a normal, good Mediterranean diet probably Uh get enough tryptophan to make serotonin you said turkey Um, has a lot of uh, tryptophan yeah that's that's one that's often known for having a lot of tryptophan What Um, you know and and like I said uh, it's actually you want to have like more carby food with it Um, I Mm -hmm. think banana is one that has um, you know tryptophan I think there are like a lot of kind of uh, let me actually look it up (laughs) (laughs) take your time man we can't we can't cut this out I'll
0: look it up too Man,
1: that's, that's that's a pretty uh. Okay, here we go. Um, plentiful in chocolate, oats, ooh, ooh. dried dates, milk, oh, yogurt. I um, like these cottage cheese. Um, you know, eggs, fish, poultry, sesame, um, chickpeas. There's a lot of stuff. Yeah, buckwheat, spirulina, peanuts. Okay. Um, yeah. So you know, there are a lot of dietary sources for it. Um, mm-hmm. and uh, and like I said though, uh, when you have a lot of protein with it it's not as bioavailable. I
0: see. I see. That's the um, big differentiator yeah, so. here. Dude, even th- that's, you just blew my mind. Okay. <laughs> I would like to, you know, clarify to our audience. If you, if it hasn't been obvious, you know, neither of us are medical professionals. We do not hold yes. MDs. Not that MDs hold that much weight. Although, you know, the MDs I've had on this show have been very good. Yeah. Um, so, you know, take it with a grain of salt, but this is very interesting observation from my point yeah, of view. Just,
1: just, uh, Thoughts to consider, right? Yeah, uh, and I, I guess yeah. One of my other things, and uh, I don't, I think I was gonna make this point earlier, was uh, in terms of treatments mm-hmm. for anxiety and depression. Um, you know, what's uh, what I noticed was insane was kind of the uh, propensity for uh, doctors to just immediately prescribe, uh, you know, antidepressants, SSRI's, <sighs> or or benzos. Um, Sorry, what what, the, what does SSRI stand for? A selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor. Um, so what that does just to give you a quick breakdown you know when you have neurons um, you know you have these synapses which is you know where like one end of a neuron um, ends and the, a new one begins there's a space there um, the prior neuron will release neurotransmitters um, into the synapse and they'll eventually attach to receptors on the next neuron and then you know when you get enough of those you know it's enough to, to activate the next neuron so um, you know serotonin is, is one of those things that we believe to be involved in like motivation and happiness mm-hmm. um, and uh, yeah, so what these drugs do is uh, they um, they are serotonin reuptake inhibitors. So after you've released serotonin from one neuron, you know, into the synapse, um, there are kind of you know, there's this process where you know, the the you know, prior neuron will reabsorb the serotonin so mm-hmm. that it can reuse it for later signaling. Which is good. Um, yeah, and and you know what what these uh, drugs try to do is, is prevent that reabsorption from occurring for a while, so that you have serotonin's you know, floating in the synapse for a longer amount of time it has more of a chance to you know land in one of those receptors okay and and you know activate the next neuron um so it's giving the serotonin you know more time to to make a difference uh, in the synapse
0: interesting
1: yeah so you know that's an ssri um and then um yeah MAOIs are kind of uh, another type of antidepressant that monoamine Oxidase inhibitors, mm-hmm. um, and you know, there's uh, another thing uh, called the monoamine oxidase, um, and these are, you know, uh, these are chemicals in your body that are, that kind of break down um, some of these neurotransmitters like serotonin. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, these MAOIs inhibit that action from occurring, so you a- you also end up with more serotonin in your synapse. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I think they also also work on you know epine- epinephrine, which is adrenaline, essentially, right. um, as well. Um, so. Um, yeah, you know those are some of the commonly prescribed, um, you know, drugs for for depression or anxiety. What are some of the brands, like the famous brands that that do these? Um, sure, I mean, you know, there's like Zoloft. Uh-huh. Um, you know, all, basically almost almost any antidepressant you've, you've heard of is probably an SSRI or MAOI. Um, and there's another class called tricyclics, mm-hmm. um, have a, a different mechanism for you know, you know trying to do the same thing. Um, and then benzodiazepines, which are often used for uh, for you know, uh, anxiety as well. I see. Um, so,
0: so you're saying that the the lot of uh, therapists and psychologists are over prescribing uh, these uh, SSRIs uh, yeah, well, and, and
1: just like you know, uh, just like you know, your, your primary care physicians as well. Literally, like you'll you'll have like a five minute conversation, and be like, oh yeah, like yeah, I haven't been sleeping well for like a week, and they're just like, okay, cool, we'll give you like some uh, some Xanax is that sorry uh that's a benzodiazepine that- um yeah but uh yeah i think you know my my thing there is kind of you know, taking the precautionary principle um you know where um the the potential like downsides are like you know catastrophic of, of um i mean opioid like, like epidemic
0: in, in this country is it's crazy i heard that even like you know it's not just like people on the streets or like, your low-income families or whatever it's like a lot of a lot of suburb family parents
1: i heard it they're just yeah.
0: washed out just just thousands these pills
1: yeah yeah and you yeah, i think you know especially with like benzos for example uh, the addictive potential is uh, seems to be about the same as alcohol um you know in terms That's of yeah you know, yeah in terms of you know developing a dependence um, i say as i sip my <laughs> as um, you uh, sip your beer, beer <laughs> yeah my um uh, <laughs> gluten-free beer that's that, <laughs> yeah. uh, by the way i don't know if you know oh, omission is, is a gluten-free beer i told I'm you it's not a it yeah i told you it's not i'm
0: not i'm not getting paid by omission but <laughs> i support their brand
1: i've been no. drinking them for like three years now it tasted really good i'm not alive sorry sorry, for sorry, sorry sorry to interrupt again yeah no yeah, going back um, to the, the children alcohol is bad for you yep yep um uh, addiction yeah no so you know it's about as as addictive as alcohol um and um yeah i mean yeah, you know, I, I think ideally one wouldn't wanna become reliant um, you know, on on, on Xanax for right. like the rest of their life. Um and it's just like something to be aware of and I think you know, when some people think about that that potential, um, you know, it's like you know, I'll I will use it. There's a point at which it's worth, you know, attempting, right? Where you're just like, Okay, it's like I've tried everything else, I'm gonna I'm gonna try it. Um yeah. but it's surprisingly Easy to get a prescription to, to any of these.
0: Because um, I mean, it solved all their problems. It makes them look good. It's like, oh my god, doctor, <laughs> yeah. I feel great.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, solved all their problems. I mean, they're short term. Uh, no, no, no. I mean, I'd say uh, yeah, certainly um, they can be effective at helping with depression and anxiety. Um, I guess that's tricky. But yeah, you know, like it's uh, even with antidepressants, um, you know, a lot of the research that showed you know, antidepressants to you know be no more effective than placebo. Where it was just simply not released, and that's part of just like the incentive system of you know pharmaceuticals. pharmaceuticals. Um, and you know, it's not effective for everyone, right? right. So you know, you, you're you're taking that on with like, okay, there's like a thirty percent chance this works for me, and that's a, you know, it's like not from a probability perspective, it's not bad. But right. then if you think about the downside exposure, I think um, you know, it might make you think differently. Um, and that's not to say that you know you shouldn't ever take them, right? Um, yeah, so, that's, like, really, once again, that's really hard. That's you know, really hard. Obviously, it's something to talk to your physician about. Um, but, but again, uh, as you said, a
0: yeah. lot of physicians, you know, a lot of, okay, let's be honest, right? Like, I've had, you know, uh, could be coming from like a Korean family, I've come yeah. from a family of doctors. You know, I think the, the doctors in my family are, are competent doctors. Yeah. But I've, you know, I see, I've seen so many doctors. Like, I don't know if these people are like good. <laughs> like, maybe they'll be good at like one specialty. I mean, yeah. if, 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 they're, if they're, if they're, if they actually give a shit and they, they try to be good. Yeah. But, uh, you know, this mental thing, well, as you said, you know, all these research, I feel like are unreliable. You, you mentioned how they're they're very hard to replicate, which in a yeah. normal scientific science circle, I was like, what the fuck? That's not a result. Yeah. Um, and and uh, so I, th- I think that gives me less faith uh, in, in their practices. And like, I feel like I, I, I'm I very skeptical and distrustful of an average doctor that mm. I haven't seen uh uh, uh, have haven't seen to be you know very competent and like and uh, and sincere.
1: Yeah, know. I was I was just talking to someone recently who was like, yeah, that's why I prefer like if I'm gonna do something like surgery, I want to go to an older doctor because they've been around longer and they still have a job. So <laughs> I like, that's interesting. <laughs> and, you know, the, the other the other flip side of that is like you know that the half life of information uh, right. is getting shorter and shorter. So. You know, I think uh, for you know, certain specialties, it's like the half life is like 40 years. So it's like you know, if, if the doctor, you know, finished when he was 30 and he's 70 now, then half the information that he that he's he may be basing his decisions on uh, has been disproven or you know new evidence. Um, so uh, just yeah, it's, it's hard to it's to hard. determine, and that's why it's you know when you're thinking about it, you need to think about what's like the the downside scenario. I think um, the last
0: thing we, one to want what I want to mention that yeah. I want to kind of bring up to you about yeah. because this topic we're talking about, yeah. and I, I I I spoke about this with my friends Rachel slash someone mm-hmm. I had for a previous episode. She's a she's a uh, an, she's an oncologist mm-hmm. uh, going through the fellowship, and um, it's the really the role of like I feel like the Western medicine state of Western medicine right now. We're really mm-hmm. good at keeping people alive, and obviously it made tremendous progress in many wo- areas, but. It's still reactive, uh, mostly, you know? yeah. And I think really, I, I feel like the, the pinnacle of, of, of medicine and health is preventative medicine. Like yep. you gotta live healthy, act he- healthy. And I, I feel like, especially for with this topic we're talking about, a mental health. Yep. I think that's even more true because, as you said, there are so many things you can do before yep. you go to that kind of chemical route. Right. Um, again, what do I know? I'm not a. I'm not an MD. I'm not a. I'm not a therapist. But. Uh, uh, this is know, the, not
1: advice to stop taking whatever. Right, right. Because
0: like, that could be detrimental. <laughs> yeah, like, was, <laughs> Yeah, my favorite writer, you know, David Foster Wallace. Yep. You know, it was devastating when I found out that, you know, this uh, arguably people say the most hailed, best, most uh, best American writer in past few decades, you know, succumbed so to depression and, and killed himself. And then yep. you read his writing, and it's like, this is the smartest, most optimistic, most humorous person yep. I've ever, you know, read the writing of. It. And even that person, kill themselves. Yeah. Um and, and, and that then that, that that made me very worried and that made me kinda of believe those cases make me believe like mental health is not something you can just logic your way through. Yeah, like, it's exactly. fucking real.
1: Yeah, and, and and I think that's also, you know, part of why um you know, it's it's hard to determine sometimes from the outside how much someone's struggling. Right. Um, and you're not, and, it's not a good thing. You yeah, know? yeah. Yeah. And, 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 you know, people just some don't want to signal that they're struggling, right? They right. Have, they want, they might feel like they're, they're supposed to be a role model for someone or they don't want people to worry about them. They don't want to feel like a burden in it. Um, you know, and that, that's why like, you know, hopefully, you know, we can offer solutions that, you know, will help people, you know, get treatment, you know, in a way that works for them, um, you know you know easily and effectively and at like an actual affordable price um and that's kind of that's kind of my goal
0: yeah because i feel like what you're developing can really make those early stage because i i don't know what the number is i yeah. mean we we're talking about how maybe the, i mean you've done the research sure. i don't know what the number is and like i don't know if they grade anxiety and depression different on uh, yeah. a level of uh, uh intensity. intensity but i feel like you know, your thing could definitely hopefully uh, First, identify which should be hugely valuable, yeah. and secondly, kind of help turn people around because we all get a little depressed, we all get anxious, yeah, be it yeah. work or you know personal relationship. You know, you're not clinically depressed or clinically anxious just for a few bouts where you know, <laughs> like a couple weeks of you know mood swings. Right, right, I feel like you know your your platform can really help people, and hopefully give habits and, uh, and install them. Okay, okay right. I'm going back to the kind of preventative yeah. medicine. Retraining thing.
1: your brain. Yeah, I, th- I think, you know, I think this is one of the things that uh, someone asked me when I was talking about what I was working on. And they're like, you know, even given your whole precautionary principle and your whole thing about a lot of these studies being hard to replicate and like you're, you know, a lot of, you know, the initial things I'm proposing are based on that research. Um, and they're like, just how do you come to terms with that? And I was like, well, you know, you know also considering that, um it's still something that doesn't have the dose response of, of, of taking you know, like an SSRI or like an MAOI where, you know, literally like you could eat something wrong and, uh, and like end up with serotonin syndrome. Right. So, Wait, what's that? uh, or, uh, so serotonin syndrome is when you have like too much serotonin uh, in your brain. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you too much of a, too much of a good thing is, is a, a true, a true statement. Right. Um, you know, serotonin syndrome or like hypertensive crisis, mm-hmm. um, and actually uh, another digression but uh, yeah. this is actually why um you know for example you know now resident physicians have that like 80 hour per week work limit i don't know if it's actually enforced but that's the <laughs> supposed limit um this is actually you know i think this is during the 80s um you know there's a, a girl named Libby Zion she ended up in the hospital in new york um and you know she was experiencing some kind of uh, you know flu like symptoms mm-hmm. um and you know uh, what what happened was uh you know her, you know, her doctors uh, gave her some kind of uh, MAOI, um, while she was in in the hospital in and an ER. Not, uh I don't know that she I don't know that she was like necessarily in the ER but she she was you know taken in as a patient. Um, it's and, just like uh, that they gave her that. They, well and and uh, the what they didn't realize was that she was already on an MAOI, oh. and so you know now they doubled down on it and and uh, yeah she 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 ended up dying from serotonin syndrome. Uh, you can die so. from
0: serotonin syndrome.
1: Oh yeah yeah. Um and that's the thing it's you know very sensitive to dosage and you know when when you're really sensitive to dosage there's like more chance for catastrophe so at least with like trying to retrain the brain it's it's not like something where like you know there's not going to be like one event that retrains it at least with any of these methods um you know certainly there's you your brain does train faster when uh you know when it's something that releases more dopamine or is like more traumatic it definitely will learn faster uh but you know a lot of these things are are you know not trying to be that extreme so the mm-hmm. I, I suspect the dose response is not the same as 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 could happen with with you know something like chemical or like doubling down or you know you know you have kids these days that are probably taking antidepressants and then they like go to a rave and take mdma right um so yeah yeah you know, I, th- I think you know you know even even then like i, I suspect the downside uh yeah, potential is is not as extreme it's it's not quite as exponential i would say yeah. i would i would guess no and and uh, yeah, as you as
0: mentioned, like all the recreational drugs yeah that are that are around you know it could be detrimental. like I can't imagine taking both at the same time, like you're and, and unfortunately, I feel like I have to believe that people who are more susceptible or people who are having these issues are more likely to fall by the
1: wayside and depending on these you know recreational drugs. Yeah, no, I mean definitely. Maybe I mean, that's a horrible thing. <laughs> no, I mean not not like that. Not not judging someone, right. uh, but really, uh, you know, if you are, uh, you know, one thing that they have noticed with like depression is that, um, you know, it takes like more more dopamine in, uh, you know, in the uh, well, what part of this beneath the dorsal striatum. Um, oh God. Hold on, I want I want to think of the name. Are
0: you talking about like a brain part?
1: Yeah, part of the brain. Anyhow, in, amygdala. In, it, uh, no, no, not not amygdala. Uh, oh god, that's
0: like the only part I know. It says prefrontal cortex. Uh, <laughs> uh, feel free to look it up, man. <laughs>
1: Uh, nucleus acumens. nucleus accumbens so mm. did you just uh, make that up no i I've did never not heard make that of up before all right so yeah maybe only millennials right. have it involved in habit formation so yeah, you have dorsal triatum. this is where we believe like you know the, the center of habit formation nucleus acumens is kind of like supposedly the pleasure center of the brain mm-hmm. very dopamine cent- uh, receptor yes, do. rich area oh, i see i see and uh, and yeah what what you find uh, often with people with depression is um, it takes more dopamine to like activate this area um, and, it's harder know, yeah. for them to
0: get excited about things exactly
1: and and the things that uh, do cause a lot of release of dopamine are usually uh, things that are awesome like certain recreational drugs right so um, yeah so it's not like it's not a judgment of someone's uh, character um, right if you're like affected by some, and that's not not taking away agency like saying like it's not you know you know you're not responsible for anything but like um, it's it's not, it wouldn't be surprising if statistically the more prevalence of like drug use and stuff. Like.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 uh, it's, it's tough because, yeah. you know, we, as much as I, I'm really on the side of always kind of just like, oh, people are not that different. We all behave, you know, pretty rationally and we're all like products of our environment. Having said that, you know, I can never truly understand what it's like to be another person, yeah. uh, especially because I have no idea what they're uh, yeah. A body and their gen- genetics are made up and i you yeah, I, I, I can never truly criticize another person's life choice exactly but you know it's just from my point of view it, it's it's just not a good way to live you know that's so many as you all these the downsides of i i guess well I, I'm in disambiguating it but both recreational drug as well as like these drugs it seems like they're there are potential severe consequences
1: yeah and I mean and and like I said're downplayed I, 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 in the media because you know they're, they're lobbied against it. Yeah, and I think that is that is one thing. It's probably um, it's it's just surprisingly prevalent. I think like it's like one in three women over thirty in the U.S. are on antidepressants, and like oh that's God, no judgment no of idea, character. Idea. And but uh, it's almost unbelievable, right? Like you know the quite often the most prescribed drugs in the United States throughout history have been um, yeah, antidepressant um, type <sighs> drugs, or 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 like a pre- precursor to like benzodiazepines, mm-hmm. uh, barbiturates, stuff like that. Um, So you know, this is a problem that you know we've been trying to deal with for a while, and um, trying to find solutions that are less sensitive to like dosage and stuff like that. Right. And that said, you know, like if you're talking to a good physician, they're gonna make sure you're a good dosage, and, and you know, it, it's never guaranteed. But I think having you know they they take an experimental approach to it, and tr- they're trying to do their best for you, right? Um. But you know, it, it's also definitely you know something that in a lot of cases. I feel like the downsides are not really considered that much like it's unbelievable how fast i've been offered you know prescriptions to like lexapro or you know or some you know xanax and stuff like that and i'm just like wow i uh, this is a real situation uh that occurred uh recently i went to the doctor i i, I talked about how i had been experiencing shortness of breath right. every week or two mm-hmm. um over the past like year and you know i was like you know i just wanted to you know, get a sense for, is this something that is being caused by like allergies? Am I allergic to something that's giving me shortness of breath? Is it like, uh, is it asthma? Mm-hmm. Is it anxiety? Mm-hmm. You know, she, so just in my breathing, she's like, you know, your, your lungs sound fine. I don't think it's asthma. Uh-huh. She's like, you know, we can do an allergy test and then let me just give you a prescription to Xanax. Cause I think it oh might be related God, to anxiety. What? <laughs> yeah, and I was like, okay. what could <laughs> have been an allergy? I was like, I was, like, I was like, uh, yeah, I'd prefer not to. Motherfucker. i, just, I, just, I just give you a low dose. I was like, yeah, we good for now. You know, I'm not. I'm not that a spread that I know of right now. So, you know, uh, but I was uh, flabbergasted. To, like, just how easily. It was literally a five-minute conversation. Like, yo, is this, like, allergies, asthma, or, like, anxiety? And she's like, well, you know, like, let's do, let's do like, Xanax for anxiety. I'm like, goddamn. Jesus.
0: <laughs> Again, obviously an anecdote. But, yeah. like, I feel like I've been just, like, seeing it a lot more. And that's, it's just, that's, 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 that's tough, man. And I hope, uh, you know, Marsha... Continues to grow and, and gets more powerful so that we can at least, again, some people obviously need some of those pills and it couldn't yeah, help no, them.
1: I don't think there's any, it's not like a moral failing at all, right? Like right. It's not like but again, it's
0: all personal decision at the end of the day. Yeah. So I hope that we, I think these kind of low hanging fruits, like these behavioral tools become right. readily available right. and become place that people, you know, the, 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 th- the cases of people needing substance or like the, the, the pills would decrease. Cause I feel like it's something that's silently growing is something that's being overlooked slash condoned. And I feel like yeah. we're, we're, we're in an age of reckoning and you yeah. know, like I, as, as a, as a recovering or like, I guess once you're an addict, you're always an addict. <laughs> but like, you know, I, I have a troubled relationship with video games since my childhood and that's not even a substance and I, oh, you yeah. know, it can get devastating. So if, a it's just like a behavior or a habit can be that addictive i can only imagine how hard it is to kick or like suffer from like actual addiction from chemical substances and just being candid out like candies for allergies (laughs) no
1: doubt no doubt um yeah yeah allergies (laughs) yeah and you know
0: i i again i just want to kind of reiterate you know you i saw some of your kind of spreadsheet uh and the kind of like the the back end to what you've done it's like Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. man i've never seen anything like it man it's like thousands and thousands of you you really dedicated yourself and 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 did your did your homework like aggressively i feel like you should i don't know why you didn't bother to get like a. I feel like you you should you're like a halfway there to a phd at this point (laughs) with all the reading and all all the research you've done
1: oh man um yeah, no, I've, I've definitely, you know, done a lot of uh, reading and research, I, but I, I thought that I would, you know, try to build the solution first, um, and then mm-hmm. hire PhDs if necessary. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think you can, yeah.
0: again, target and make a proof of concept that's very effective yeah. without needing the, yeah.
1: And, and like I said, I think over time, we'll figure out, like, which which methods actually work for people, and it mm-hmm. may be that, like, oh, some of these methods, like, don't work for people. Um and like, at least the way that you find that, I was like, oh, like they try it numerous times and it doesn't make that much of a difference. Um, but that's not an extremely low downside, I would say. Right. Um, and then, you know, some of them, it may be, you know, it, we may find these are very worthwhile and we should develop these more and, you know, kind of iterate on them and, and make, improve those. I suspect that's you know something that we'll find as people start using it more and, and we see what actually works for people.
0: Yeah. Like I just imagine this amazing future where Marcia kind of you know takes a over and like life kinda coach acquires. and mentor <laughs> no it's like kind of like taking it like uh, interlaced with like you know genetic screening although that's a kind of a tough choice because like you know because i, I uh, there, there are genetic elements to these things too so oh the, yeah that yeah. way you it, it'll make the decision and the diagnosis easier um, but also like, you know, thinking about, you know, I've been doing a lot of meditation, like, you know, kind of yeah. headspace rep marsh, like, yeah, I don't like the, I mean, the guy's all right. The headspace guy's all right. Yeah, no, no. I mean, I've, I've a little I've,
1: I've used headspace before yeah. and <laughs> yeah, it was somewhat effective and, uh, you know, I, but it's, it's, I wouldn't, and I, I'm very much a fan of like mindfulness, John Kabat-Zinn. I've read a lot of his books or like had him read them to me in audible <laughs> of his voice. Right. God damn his voice. Yeah, uh, but I'm I call them day sometimes. Uh, uh, nice. Yeah, no, but yeah, and, but I also don't think it's the panacea. Like, you know, mindfulness will solve everything, right? Right. But I'm saying you can.
0: I, I imagine this beautiful future where mm-hmm. you can combine all of these things. Yeah. Because as as you put, in, I guess headspace is kind of like a tool, like a yeah.
1: Uh, 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 it's it's one method. My method.
0: You yeah, yeah. Whereas, like you know, the genetic screen could be like a, a kind of a diagnosis aspect of it. Yeah. And it'll bring all these things as they as they get connected. Like I feel like it could be much more effective Um, again. So I think, I think this idea is very great. I feel like I'm sure you're working on this and whatever, like there's gotta be a demand. I feel like depending on how you pitch it, just a pitch alone with your history, like as, as a business case,
1: yeah yeah um you yeah, there will definitely uh be venture funding soon unless i unless i become you know a multimillionaire in the next couple months <laughs> um in which yeah, case you wouldn't need funding yeah, yeah in which case I'll, I'll put my own money or so my ma- money oh. where I'm out there.
0: hey hey here's an idea yeah. how about we uh, talk to rich and Luke <laughs> uh help them uh, advise you for an icl oh, yeah. call it the marcia <laughs> yeah Marsha coin yeah marcia coin. yeah Because I mean, that's (laughs) what Luke taught me that I was like, I didn't, it wasn't, I was, I thought ICO was just all bullshit. Uh I didn't know that ICO was actually supposed to fund a project or or a company.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think there are a lot where it's kind of like unclear what the utility of the token is or, you know, um, so, you know, like, I don't know if I want to add like another create another problem while trying to solve a problem. You're not uh, of, of, creating of, of, a problem. Well, how do I make uh how, how do I make a utility token that makes sense or like how do oh, you I how see, do you make the I crypto see. economics make sense for something like this, right? Lifetime um, membership. <laughs> you know, Hespace is an option yeah. where you
0: can get a life like lifetime uh, subscription. <laughs> it's like for a flat fee.
1: Yeah, I mean, who who knows? Who knows yeah. what, what what the uh, what that model is with with the the, the Marsha coin, um. right?
0: <laughs> and that's an idea. Maybe because like, yeah, you know, I feel like what you're what you're describing, like again, get, get off the ground to get a get a get a prototype two You wouldn't yeah. need like you wouldn't need like hundred million dollars to do yeah. this at the initial stage.
1: Uh, no, without a doubt, I think you know really it's just like uh, you, know, you know building out some, some of the interventions, um, right? You know to make them uh, more fun and interesting, and also. Um, making sure that we're we're getting the right information about the person's context, so we're like delivering the right the right intervention at the right time. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's the fundamental thing. Is like just like how do you leverage the fact that you can get more you know information from the user about their context more often um, than like once or twice, a, you know, once a week or like you know twice a month or something, right? right which is what
0: you get by paying exorbitant amount of tr- price <laughs> on this therapist that you. Um, <laughs> no may or may not be helpful. Right, right. That's the, that's what you're computing with. It's yeah. a pretty
1: low bar. <laughs> I, I mean, I, no hate on it. I've I've used it myself so like, you know, but it, it does take a while sometimes to find someone that's effective. Of course. Um
0: so I, I we we've actually man, time flies. We're at a, a kind of hour and 15 minute mark oh, wow. But the I because you've done so much research and obviously we talked through a lot of the benefits and the, the goals of Marsha, but mm-hmm. Are there some things that you think people should know, like kind of very simple, like the simplest or like the uh, yeah. like like the one that you described, describe about your know, tryptophan uh, with, you know, uh, with high protein, carb yeah. know, protein and stuff like that? Yeah. Are there any other factoids like that or things about, you know, depression or anxiety that, you know, that we, you would like to share?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, You know, I'd say like one, obviously, like I think gratitude is one that like has become pretty popularized you know recently um and it is effective um and enhancing uh like showing gratitude for stuff so but to be more specific actually um from 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 the current research it seems like um it's only really effective if um if you're showing gratitude for something that's kind of like independent of of like of uh other people's you know kind of position in life so you know like sometimes you'll 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 be eating a meal or like i feel like it's like a the the stereotype is like you know like you'll be you're not that hungry you're not finishing your meal and your mom, you know your parents are like you know there are hungry kids in africa yeah and then invoking the the comparison for gratitude actually is like not effective um so yes that, that's, like, one thing when, 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 like, you know, being grateful for something. Uh, I think another, like, interesting practice. Uh, wait, wait, like, sorry. So, so what's the opposite of that? Like how, so how should we be grateful? What's yeah. way of being grateful? Um, so, so doing it, f- uh, like, thinking about something that is kind of, like, independent of, like, other people, like, a comparison to other people's station in life. Mm, mm. Um, so it's just something that, you know, was, like, just, like, made you smile today or something, right? Mm. Um, or, like a, like, a, a small exercise that I'm proposing for people. Um, that, that is effective because, you know, I think part of it is also kind of like getting inspiration for like what to think about, to be grateful for Cause like, mm-hmm. there's so many stimulus, you know, in our day and like, especially if you're like, you're stressed out about something, it can be harder to, to think about everything that's like positive in your life or stuff right. like that. Um, is actually like, try to think of like a person that like made your diet, like at some point in the past. Right. Um, and, and like, what, what exactly did they do for you? And like, you know, literally like write it down, like in detail, like, Oh, Here's what I was experiencing that day. They like came up. Oh, they brought me like you know they brought me some McDonald's this one time when like I was like freaking out about something and like I was up late and they just like came through unannounced and like you know brought me this like you know, of McDonald's right? And, yeah, right, because they want you to die. <laughs> not a <laughs> not a paid advertisement. Um, <laughs> yeah, but like you know like actually getting those details down um, and then and then actually like a uh, and then, like actually delivering that. Thank you that to the person, um, oh, you know, by, by okay. some method, right. Um, yeah, that kind of combines a lot of things, right. That's like, you're, you're expressing gratitude. It's not something that's like a comparison to like someone else's life. Right. And, um, and then like you you might be getting that like social interaction if you actually deliver it. Um, right. So, um, yeah, th- that's one piece. Um, you know, another thing is like, you know, think about it. Like if you think about like, uh, unfortunately, like if you think about like prison, right. Uh, when you, what's, what's often like one of the worst punishments you can get in prison besides dying. Is uh the the isolation chamber right? Oh, I was. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you were thinking. I know what you. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> Please continue. Yeah, isolation. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know. So um. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Humans were. <laughs> Sorry. I'm good now. I'm good. <laughs> isolation. <laughs> yes. <I'm- laughs> um. Yeah. So I mean, <laughs> this not the right time to be laughing right now. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, I mean, uh, you know, humans are inherently social, and, you know, some of the benefits we get, is obviously I think oxytocin is often referred to as, uh, as like, the love hormone. Um, but this is not just released when you're with, like, a loved one. Um, like, just, like, general social contact uh, can enhance, um, you know, the uh, uptake of this hormone in your body. Mm-hmm. and uh, And so, you know, literally, like, if you're – you're like feeling depressed or something or anxious um you can actually just like uh say you're working on something uh like go somewhere like public where there are gonna be other people and work Mm -hmm. on it you don't actually have to be like holding on to someone i mean that definitely enhances the release but um you don't have to be like holding on to someone's like literally just being in the presence of other people uh like has an effect uh, on the mind um there's another experiment on this um you know, related uh, that was actually around uh, pain perception. So, mm-hmm. you know, they, they had people, uh, you know, put, put their hands in an icy bucket, mm-hmm. right? And then they, they wanted to understand, uh, you know, how much could they withstand of holding their hand in this like freezing cold bucket. Um, and, you know, there are different groups. One was like, you're, you're sitting with a loved one, another one you're sitting with just like a random person, another one you're sitting with a friend. And, you know, they, they found that, you know, even sitting with someone that like you don't even know, um, l- kind of lowers your pain perception. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, just, you know, stuff like that. Um, there are pro- hundreds of those kinds of insights and kind of interventions that, that Marshall offers. Um, and then, you know, we're working on ways to like make those like fun and interesting on the, r- I mean, besides, I, I think anything can become interesting when, when you're, you're kind of, uh, y- you're struggling with something uh, mm-hmm. and you want a solution. Um, but, but even then, like, you know, it's st- we still want to make it fun and interesting. Yeah, because like I think uh,
0: again I also suggested this by a friend like I heard that there's a good book out there some self-help book mm-hmm. that suggests basically the ideas of gamifying your gamifying your life mm-hmm. um, and that could be fun but like maybe there's a kind of element to that uh, um, with Marshall, too with the different mm-hmm. sessions and obviously a lot of these apps like even like even headspace gives you like oh like you've gone through like 10 of the basics yeah that, I mean, that is a video game uh, psychology right like yeah. sense of progress my, my, my mic yeah. sounds weird. Um, but the, uh, maybe I laughed in it too hard. But, <laughs> <laughs> but the, I see. Yeah. So th- those and and uh, you know, those suggestions that you made. So you mentioned kind of uh practice of gratitude without making a uh, com- comparative to others. You're not comparing it to others, right? Uh, and the second thing is uh, just being in the presence of others, even if you're not interacting. Yep. Even if you're not interacting, those seem great. And like uh, another thing I like about that is like I, can't, I don't seem
1: I can't think of a downside to that. Right. Unlike
0: you know getting SSRI.
1: Right. 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 And and, and you know the like I said, they don't seem like major things, um, but you know, you stack a couple of things that, that are, are not major together um, and it can make a difference.
0: Uh, yeah. And th- there's a feedback loop to these two. Right? Exactly. So, yeah. No, that's, that's awesome, man. Um, Yeah. Hey man, dude, this is uh, again, I, I know I had some plans for this episode, but I didn't like, we, we cover so many things. you <laughs> you offer so many insights and, you know, I've been dying to have you on uh, just based on, you know, our, our, uh, a conversation so thank you so much for sharing
1: these yeah, Paul, uh, is there anything else you want to talk about um i think i think i'm generally good if you yeah, have you another could, question right? I, yeah, I got well, you i mean the the
0: one cool thing
1: one cool thing okay yes. yeah one one cool thing that i've I recently read or person i met or something right right um yeah i'd say uh yeah i recently read a book called skin the the in the game by one of my favorite flneurs. Slash philosophers slash mathematicians, all right. um, he uh, Nassim Nicholas Taleb. Uh-huh. I don't know if I pronounce that correctly, but um, up. this is the same guy that wrote *Fooled by Randomness*, *The Black Swan*, not to be um, confused with the movie. Like not not before. at all like the movie. <laughs> um, and uh, *Anti-Fragile*. Mm-hmm. Um, Skin in the Game is kind of his most recent book in this series of books that he is now calling the inserto. Um, mm-hmm. It's all about dealing uh, with a reality that is, uh, you know, uncertain. Um, and that's why, you know, so a lot of his work uh, in, in math has been focused on probability theory. He's a professor. Um, I forget where. But <laughs> <laughs> but the other thing is that beyond being a professor, he was actually like a trader professionally um, oh. Probably still manages his own fund, mm-hmm. um, which means he has practical insights as well. This is something that's usually missing from academia. Right. And um, and yeah, it is very uh, interesting thoughts on, you know, kind of, it's kind of piling on top of you know prior thoughts that he's expressed in books like "Fooled by Randomness," uh, which, as you could imagine from the title, kind of talks about how we uh, sometimes uh, are prone to overbelieving uh, right. our probability models for mm-hmm. stuff. Um, and then kind of, you know, Antifragile actually kind of talks about, um, okay, you know, given that, you know, the world is unpredictable, um, mm-hmm. how, do you, how do you find systems that gain from disorder instead of uh, are, are you know, being very susceptible to loss from disorder? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that, that, that kind of builds the basis for his thinking on skin in the game, which is actually probably more of like uh, like a philosophical and ethical treatise. Uh, you know, more so than, than mathematical. Um, but it's also, well, those uh, <laughs> two are the same jobs back in the Greek days, right? <laughs> this is true. This is true. Um, and, uh, yeah, no, so it, it actually kind of is, is kind of about like, um, identifying situations, uh, where there's like uh, asymmetry and kind of, uh, how, how risk is shared. Mm. Um, you know, so if, if you think back to like 2008, um, yeah, the, the whole implosion of, of America. I'm, I'm the, very, very the reasonably uh, obsessed with
0: that topic. Yeah. Uh,
1: yes, uh, as a former Lehman Brothers employee, uh, I am also uh, <laughs> I did not obsessed with that. that topic. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Um, yeah, um, for those of you who are younger, <laughs> um, <laughs> Lehman Brothers was like the investment bank that imploded and, you know, it kind of had the American economy on, on, on its uh, up against the wall i would say um yeah. with you know trillion dollars of assets uh yeah. with unknown links to all the other banks and insurance companies throughout the world um yeah so uh yeah very very in- interested in this topic and uh yeah it's it's about kind of like identifying systems where uh you know fundamentally i think his his point is that skin in the game and and like this doesn't i feel like you know, i think he kind of mentions that traditionally like We've been thinking of skin in the game as like giving people a chance at the upside for something, right? Like I'll oh, give him some equity to get his skin in the game. Right. Uh, the other piece of skin in the game that has been missing in modernity is like the downside, um, right? You know. So we've created systems where uh, you know people uh, don't, you know, they, they get the upside, but they don't get the downside exposure, right. right? And you know, this is something that we saw with investment banks in 2007, 2008, where they were taking these like heavily leveraged positions, right. Um, because they expected that the U.S. government and we'll and they out. correctly expected that yeah. the U.S. government would bail them out if they were wrong. Yeah. And uh, and you know like these guys were making you know millions of dollars a year, um, you know taking on these positions that, that had you know had catastrophic results if they were wrong and right. uh, and they were wrong and they lost more money than in the in, you know, the, the profitability of finance in the entire history of of finance as an industry in right. one year. Um, and you know this is like you know one of the things, and you know it's it's all about you know how do you build systems where uh you know where you 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 no longer have that asymmetry of, of skin in the game, and that's like this is probably the best way to build intelligent systems. Um, you know if you huh. think about uh the way evolution works, it's because you know there's a chance for a loss, right? And and, and right. actually the way that evolution changes things is because the things that are, are unable to survive the stressors um, get called out, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, unfortunately we've built systems with a, a lot of systemic risk where, you know, you know, it's because you can you you only get the upside exposure and you don't get right. the downside exposure. Um, and you know, as a result, you know, someone else is paying for, for your mistakes. Uh, yeah. so you know, the key thing is like how yeah, how do you get, get that balance? And it makes a lot of uh, really interesting points about, like, current systems uh, and probably ways that they should change.
0: That's very interesting. I had a, I have a very good friend um, shouting out to my friend, Nate Kim, uh, who was, I think he still is, working at, a I think, at like, a lab at Harvard mm-hmm. that go, uh, looks into this kind of stuff. Um, I think specifically they're doing research on corporate conversations for CEOs uh, mm-hmm. regarding this kind of topic of, like, Okay, how should you know the, the executive compensation work so that they are more accountable and oh think about kind of long term
1: consequences? Is, is he part of that lab, that it was it was definitely a Harvard group that uh, it was. Oh, the maybe the research on Ninety percent of CEO uh, pay is based on, and it was like Fortune 500 CEO pay. I think uh-huh. uh, was was uh, based on like you know like randomness rather than their actual like performance. <laughs> it's like nine.
0: I don't know. If it's like you.
1: ninety cents on the dollar. Yeah. Oh my god.
0: I'll I'll, I'll, I'll follow up. Yeah. I'll
1: follow up on that. Um, um, but that's very interesting. Yeah. So, uh, oh man, I if we get too deep into it, it just becomes inflammatory. But that'll be uh, <laughs> that'll be next episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. No. Um, definitely worth a read, though.
0: Okay. No. I'm the because again, I you know, I I graduated college in '09, so I was I was I was intern, I was interning in 2008, and I thought I was going to be a trader and working in finance. So <laughs> you know, in the thick of it, I was interning like, at these places. I was in more. I was actually a Merrill Lynch. In oh, the yeah, yeah of 2008 yeah. and actually it was interesting Winter, a summer of 2008 right yeah. before it crashed one of my close friends I'm gonna call him out here too. Stephen Kamina <laughs> was working at Lehman Brothers And you know, he was my fraternity and yeah. there's this famous email that we still Every anniversary we send it out again uh-huh. of, It's an email he sent to the whole fraternity talking about hey, man Like uh, our, our CEO went down to the floor and you know gave us give us a pep talk, you know, we're all like very very optimistic you know we're feeling pretty strong i think we're gonna come out to this this was like like a month or like you know two three weeks before oh yeah there's like close shop oh uh,
1: yeah it was great i to to your point like since i was there during that summer um yeah all of our screensavers well fortunately i was not part of the mortgage-back securities team or mm -hmm. investment making i was in the venture capital group where we actually took more anti-fragile positions but um It was funny because all our screensavers were like the Lehman Brothers corporate screensaver and they had stuff from their risk management team and like, you know, they're thinking about value at risk though, um, which means they're thinking about like their probability of being wrong and not like the the ultimate negative exposure. So it doesn't expose like how leveraged they are if they're wrong. Um, And, you know, it was, it was so like, you know, we've, we've lowered our, like, you know, (laughs) our value at risk from like, you know. X, you know x dollars to y dollars and that's like a 20 percent decrease during the quarter uh-huh. um but they were still you know net i think like 40x leverage on their actual assets oh so God. um yeah yeah so it's like you know uh yeah losing 40 dollars for every dollar you actually have if you're wrong <laughs> um kind of explains a lot yeah yeah well
0: um anyway uh, thank you for sharing that Uh, my one cool thing is kind of similar to this again I'm going to bring the point back home because it reminded me of the I haven't actually finished this but my Mm. one cool thing is self-authoring program Mm. by Jordan Pearson I don't know if you actually tried that
1: I haven't uh, tried it yet. I just uh, I downloaded one of his Audible books that you recommended.
0: Twelve Rules for Life. That was the most Twelve Rules for Life. One. I yeah. haven't
1: started listening to that yet. And, um, it's, it's decent. Yeah, it's so decent. I'm gonna try that one out, and then I think someone recommended Principles by Ray Dalio. Someone check that Interesting. out. Interesting. Yeah. Um,
0: but yeah, Twelve uh, self-authoring. I mean the the self authoring program yeah. is something the program that uh, Jordan Peterson and his some of his friend or some of his colleagues uh, developed. Uh, Jordan Peterson, for those of you who uh, don't know, is is a clinical psychologist. Uh, from Canada and he's been kind of getting famous for you know the political reasons but what I really found him helpful was more personal more like you know his philosophical uh and psychological like advice and uh, you know like the the eat 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 a big breakfast type of stuff. Mm-hmm. He's a very very smart guy. Um again I mean there's a there's a lot of political context to this how like you know people are scared and worried that Jordan peterson is kind of becoming uh the voice of the right that's kind of giving excuse to the, to the to the white, white male, people are being yeah, that way. Uh-huh. right for being uh, kind of un- unapologetic and being more selfish. Um, again, truth is probably somewhere in between. Uh, yep. He definitely helped me, and the self-authoring program is something that he came up with. It's, there's no secret to it. Like this is like he has like these four programs. It comes down to he just has guides you to write about yourself, um, and I found that really helpful. And I kind of what you said about uh the kind of being grateful uh kind of remind me i think it's a kind of similar concept in a certain certain aspect yeah he just asked you like there are four differences it's like a past authoring uh, a future authoring and then there are two parts of a present authoring um and yeah basically it's it's, it's pretty easy like you write about your past you write about what you want in your future and you write about your current stuff like what are your pro uh, what are your strengths what are your weaknesses um, and yeah uh, uh, again I was skeptical but you know going through that kind of made me have like a yeah. mental breakdown because <laughs> I, I realized kind of what was wrong in my life uh-huh. uh, but you know I, I've come out much better of it and I feel like yeah. I'm actually on, on an upward curve from that experience but I thought I found it really helpful I'm not done with it I only finished one of the four parts um, wow. I, I'm I'm looking forward to uh, again I think some of the exercises I was kind of doing mentally on my own mm-hmm. uh, because they do take a decent amount of time but you know it's fairly cheap I think it was like 20 to $30 for the whole thing and it takes a decent amount of time but yeah. i've had friends who tried it and i tried it myself uh, it's been really positive and i think it goes into some of the practices you're talking about too but just yeah. in length and if especially if you know uh, you like writing or like if you're a journal person yeah. uh it could be very very helpful because it was again i thought it was like i was like okay it's, it's automatic so how's it gonna help me but <laughs> again it's kind of it's, it's a program that helps you help yourself kind of thing it's self-identifying nice. things like future authoring, I think it was, uh, that he said was most effective mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because basically ask you like, what's your ideal future in five years? Mm-hmm. And then it's like, what's your worst case scenario in five years? And he talked about how uh, kind of visualizing and, and specifying the worst case scenario. That's really makes, interesting. Yeah, yeah. It makes you kind of realize, okay, Oh my God! I'm doing some of the things that that part that that'll lead me to the worst case scenario. Yeah. And apparently, that exercise, while it's, it's, it's uh, anxiety-inducing short term, yeah, helps you kind of take actions and move away from your bad habits yes. and current state.
1: This sounds very much like uh, one of the things that Daniel Kahneman proposed. Who this is the guy that wrote Thinking Fast and Slow. I think um, he got a Nobel Prize for that research. Oh, um, and um, yeah. But one, one of the things you propose in, t- in terms of like helping prevent uh, catastrophic mistakes in organizations is doing pre-mortems for projects. So, <laughs> so, so it, it's kind of like uh, assume this project failed. Have everyone write down all the reasons that it failed. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then that gives you a sense for like where your vulnerabilities are. And then right. like, it gives you a sense for like, oh, I need a hedge against this. Um, it's a really interesting practice, and that's funny that it's like paralleled there.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm sure all these smart guys are reaching similar <laughs> conclusions, uh-huh. uh in different ways. Uh, it ma- it makes sense to me, and uh, again, I think it comes down to I guess that's the first part, right? Like mm-hmm. identifying those those parts. But I think the second part is more important, right? Like uh, that's where it goes to. You know, we talked about Jocko Willing, like extreme <laughs> ownership, <laughs> yes. and Jordan Peterson talks about you know about you know kind of. Facing your problems head-on and everything again, yeah. it could sound very inconsiderate, almost sound ridiculous. But I think in context, at, at the end of the day, yeah, I, th- I think making the tough choice, identifying the problem, and and confronting those issues head-on, I think those are two essential. I, think, I feel like s- steps into making sure that your life doesn't become the worst <laughs> scenario. <laughs> that, that that's what I'm Not getting it. out of it. But you know, I'm obviously haven't put in a fraction of time that you have in these issues um yeah
1: well that's that's all i got man yeah i think that that, that was fun um yeah we'll, we'll do another one later on on skin in the game <laughs> yeah no so yeah thank you very much man again
0: uh to our audience this is robert toledo um talking about his project Marsha, uh dealing with mental issues through uh, technology and social media platforms which i think is very uh very very valuable
1: and ironic
0: and ironic. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Social
1: yeah. media platforms. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> Anyhow. Um but uh yeah, thank you for being here, man.
1: Yeah, I know, I really appreciate it. Thanks for inviting mm-hmm. me.